and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode number 161. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How are you doing, Kevin? Doing pretty good. This week, we're going to be talking about the Australian drama 52 Tuesdays, playing in select cities right now, as well as the indie comedy Apartment Troubles. Apartment Troubles. We're also going to be talking about some of what we've been watching, and of course, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Remember, you can send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net or leave us a comment on the site. We'd love to hear from you. Real quick, before we jump into our first review, I want to give a quick plug for our Patreon site that we set up. We set up a Patreon page for Film Pulse. Now, this includes the podcast as well as the website in in general. And I decided to do this because the cost of running everything is just it's just going up and up and we just need some help. We need some help from the listeners and I appreciate it if you could just check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com/filmpulse and you can check to see what all our goals are and our perks. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month, and it would be extremely helpful. I mean, if we had every one of our listeners subscribe at just $1 a month, we'd be good to go. There you go. And I have a lot of plans for the site and for the podcast. We're going to do more video content. We're going to do more podcast stuff. Uh, I want to do like a a news segment and then make make a video portion of the news segment. Oh, Uh, goodness. We've been talking about doing a Ryan Eats Food podcast, which would be video, like a video podcast. Um, We talked to Ryan about doing another, a a second episode of Ryan Watches a Movie every week, and he's down to do that. So we got lots, lots of plans, but we definitely need your help because all of this stuff takes a lot of time and a significant amount of money. So again, it's patreon.com slash Film Pulse. Now, I'm not going to be doing a lot of plugs for this every week because I I do like to keep things simple on the podcast. I don't like to have sponsors and advertisers and stuff, but I'm probably going to plug it at the top and at the end of the show from now on. I'm not going to like go this deep into it every episode, but... Should we do a full episode of just like NPR style? Yeah, <laughs> pledge drive. <laughs> just it, pledge drive for like it, a week. <laughs> doesn't it drive you crazy when they during pledge drive week? Because it's just oh, it is goodness. just relentless, relentless. It is. it is, and I seem I don't know if it's just me, but they seem to do it a lot more. Yeah, they I used to. I feel like they used to only do it maybe once a year, and now it's at least twice a year. It's a it's a, it's a they, lot. They, yeah, they do it a lot, but uh, with our Patreon, it's it's pretty modest. We're not looking to make. I mean, it'd be nice if we made like thirty grand a month, like some of these I other thought, Patreons. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we were shooting for like six hundred grand. Uh, I thought that that was our end goal, right? No, that's not the end goal. No, not really. I, the more we make, the more content we can produce. Like I have a lot of a lot of things that I would like to do. I want to get uh, some nice video equipment so that we can do more coverage of festivals and things like that. We we want to get more into the video realm, but we also want to expand the podcast and expand the site too. As it stands now, I'm the only one doing news for the site. 
because we can't really afford to hire someone to do news articles and depending on how the Patreon goes, eventually we might be able to hire somebody to help contribute with news and help the site grow. So that's really what we're looking to do here. And it's up until now, it's been sustainable with how things were, but you know, every site, every month it seems to cost a little bit more. So it's, it's like, we just need some help with that. And I don't want to add like we can put more ads on the site. We right now, if you go to our site, there's not that many ads on there, and they're pretty uh, unintrusive. And I, I don't want to add these like uh, what are they called? Like takeover ads, where it's like the whole page, and you have to click the X to get rid of it. Or the, those are my favorites. <laughs> or the ones where you're reading an article and random words in that article or links, and if you mouse over them by accident, it pops up an ad. I don't want to. I don't want to put any of that stuff on the site. I want to keep things clean and nice and easy to read. But um, you know, it costs money to run these things. So again, Patreon.com/slash/filmpulse. Uh, appreciate it very much, and I'll put links in the show notes and all that fun stuff. So with that out of the way, also real quick, uh, we're going to be doing video portions of the what we've been watching section from now on. It's just something that I've been experimenting with. Uh, so you can last week's episode i just put the video up for that a couple days ago uh so you can you can check that out this week i'm gonna put it up much quicker because i didn't really it it took me a while to figure out how i wanted to do it gotcha so this week's is going to be up much sooner and that'll be on the site and on youtube our youtube channel and all that stuff too so all right with that out of the way let's go ahead and jump into our first review which one do you want to start with Let's start with uh, 52 Tuesdays. All right, 52 Tuesdays. This is directed by Sophie Hyde. Uh, Synopsis says, 16-year-old Billy's reluctant path to independence is accelerated when her mother reveals plans to gender transition and their time together becomes limited to Tuesday afternoons. Um, This is uh, featuring an all-non-actor cast. All non-actors. Okay. Uh, Tilda Cobham-Hervey. And Del Herbert Jane are the two two main actors in this. Now, I have a review for this up on the site currently. So we'll start with you, Kevin. What'd you think of 52 Tuesdays? Oh, it was surprising. Surprisingly good. Uh, it takes a little bit to get kind of settled into the structure of the film. The, the rhythm that it has going on. Because at first it really seems very sloppy and really disjointed. But once you kind of settle into it, you sort of understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. It really takes over. Um, the The portions involving the the Tuesdays where she spends time with her mother, those were very, very strong. I found myself really enjoying those portions so much so that I was almost irritated any time that it went outside of those portions. Because I didn't find the other things to be as you know compelling. I uh, I just I wanted I wanted more of that. Yeah, yeah. I I wanted more of that as well. And I thought that the the stuff where what she did after she was at her mom's when she would go to her uncle's studio or whatever that was and exp- have experiments and film her two friends. I thought that uh, there was just too much of that. Like, I didn't need that much. I would, I would like to see less of that and more of the stuff with her mom, or yeah, or uh, 
I said this in my review, I'd like to see a little bit more about her dad, too, because I get that it's about her relationship with her mom and what's happening as he transitions into a man, but uh, the dad was a really compelling character, and I've just felt like she spent so much time with her dad that I felt like it, that relationship was a little bit underdeveloped, but a little bit. more than a that that was wasn't enough to bring it down for me at all. I no. really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was tremendously well made and first time director, all non actors. You kidding me? Yeah, that's I didn't know that. I did not know that. Yeah, which makes it even better in my eyes. And the the actor that plays James Del Del Herbert Jane. He was brought on as a consultant for the film to to kind of uh, help help make sure that they're covering the transitioning process in an accurate way. Yeah. And then eventually they were just like, well, you should play the main main character. I, w- I wanted to ask you about that because that seemed so real. Yeah. That character. And that's what I was kind of wondering. I was like, is this an actual person that's transitioning themselves well from what i read in the press notes it's not necessarily what was happening in real life to him over a year because the way that they the way that they shot this movie they literally shot it um one every single tuesday for an entire year gotcha and uh let me just i I have the press notes here i hear i hear them i hear those press notes flipping so the, it's really interesting because there were there were some specific rules of this movie that they set out for themselves. So it's okay. the film will be shot once a week, every Tuesday, and only on Tuesdays over a full year. Okay. Uh, the film will be shot chronologically. What is shot on a specific Tuesday is what happens on that Tuesday. So there's no okay. reshoots. Okay. Something from each of the 52 Tuesdays has to be shown. And even though the film is a scripted drama, the script will be open throughout the year with writing taking place until the final Tuesday. Uh, Use non-professional actors that connect to their characters and can influence the story. And rather than artificially creating change, allow the subtle but genuine changes over the course of the year to challenge our own expectations of, of time and influence the story we tell. Okay. Now... That's all well and good. Like I, I think that that's uh, a cool way of of making a movie, and I think that it's a really ambitious shooting schedule. In in those press notes, they actually have the shooting schedule too, so you can yeah. kind of see how they did it. Uh, but I never got the impression that that's how this movie was, and and I know that according to one of those rules, they wanted it to be you know the subtle changes and all of that, but it just didn't seem necessary to me yeah to do it that but way you could you could also see it as them being highly successful with it then that's because yeah, yeah that's, I what, I, yeah, that's I what i mean i don't i didn't notice that either and i did not know that going into the film it just seemed like it was you know constructed as yeah it's any just other film right it was it was shot just like any other film but the movie itself just takes place on tuesdays but yeah they actually shot it every tuesday for an entire year hmm well how about that yeah, it's... see, you're 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 enlightening me. It's and I'm I'm appreciating it even more now. Yeah, I mean, I already liked it. I already liked it. Right. You know, once it was finished, but now giving me little bits of information here. 
Yep, very, it is very interesting. Uh, for being all non-actors, these people are, everyone in this does such a fantastic job. They sure do. All yes. the characters are likable, you can relate to everyone, uh, you, you can, you can empathize with what they're going through, and I loved, this wasn't a movie about the daughter coming to terms with, uh, her, her mother transitioning into a man. It wasn't really about that. It, it kind of... It, it, it touches, it touches on, it. on it, but when when James first told Billy, the daughter, that this is what he was doing, uh, she was she was fine with it. She she accepted it right away. She was perfectly okay with it. But I think the interesting thing was like as the film went on, and he has problems. He's not allowed to take testosterone anymore because of a, a reaction his body, his liver has. To taking the testosterone, which uh, that that was crushing. Yeah, you, you like they build it up a little. I mean, they did a perfect job of building it up, and like I'm completely in the corner. I'm rooting. I'm like, yes, I want to see where this goes. And then you know you get hit with that news, and then you see her sort of go into this like stupor of depression. Yeah, you're just like, oh no, where is this gonna end? Yeah, but. So basically that prolongs the transition. So he has to resort to taking, uh, getting surgery to help further things along. And I think it's this, this prolonged, uh, transition period when Billy starts having not an issue with it, but I think that she's just kind of in flux because like at the same exact time that this is happening, she's kind of developing into a woman and, and in, finding her own sexuality at the same time. And I think that she starts realizing like that she's kind of losing her mom or she, she starts feeling that way because she, she can't live with her. She's only able to see her once a week and she just wants her mom back. And I, I think that she doesn't really care whether, her, no, I don't wh- think it whether has anything it, to do with the transition. Right, it's just it, the fact that there's, you know, we have she now has regulated time frame of when she gets to see her mother. Yeah. And that's what really and then, you know, the communication breaks down a little bit, which I think also adds to both of them having a tough time with what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The the one thing that I liked about it or the main thing that I liked about it is just that it was never it was never like overly sappy. Oh, that's exactly uh, yeah. That's exactly what I was gonna say. That was bam. I'm your notes. Yeah, I am the human form of your notes. Nothing about it is heavy-handed. It, it's not. It, it's not what you would expect from a movie that has this kind of subject matter. It it, it handles it so eloquently. I. It was just Every, it was perfect. Wait, and that's what kind of threw me a little bit when you talked about the the production rules of this film is because for me watching the movie i thought you know everything seemed to spring up organically everything felt really real right it's just very natural so when you you know you sort of listed off those rules it was like man they really succeeded at what they set out for because i could not tell yeah i couldn't tell that this was made of you know one day a week over the course of a year yeah, and I think just for, for me the only thing was the only thing that I can say, and it's not necessarily negative, is the, just the the portions with her hanging out with her friends and exploring her sexuality and everything. I didn't find that as compelling as the mother daughter relationship portions. 
with the film. No, I, I didn't necessarily either. I I wanted more of the the family dynamic and less of the the friend dynamic because the like I felt like those two characters or two friends were a little bit underdeveloped, especially the the boy. Like we don't even yeah. know what his deal is really. We yeah. we get to see a little bit about the the girl Jasmine, but the dude who knows what's going on with him. He's, and he's I mean, just going with the flow, man. <laughs> I think I said in my review maybe he was just meant to be. Those two characters were meant to be kind of tools, you know, for her sexual awakening of sorts. But if we spent that much time with them, uh, just want a little bit, a little bit more. A little bit more. I also had, and maybe this was just me, but I was having a hard time, at least at the beginning. Now, they do clear it up later, but at the very beginning, I had no idea that that was her uncle. I was like, is that her brother? And who, who's this... <laughs> Who's this other little kid? I didn't know if that the other little kid was yeah, I was her brother. I was completely confused at the beginning. I had no idea who Harry was. Yeah. I didn't know who the little kid was. I didn't even know who the dad was. I was just like, yeah. what are the relationships of all these people? <laughs> yeah, they do just kind of drop you in there with this and then all of a sudden, you know, and then all of a sudden there's like a quick cut of like the Syria and I'm just like, what is what oh, the yeah. hell does what is what does Egypt and Syria have to do with all this? What is happening? That's what I mean. It was like a it was extremely disjointed at the beginning, but then once it you know settles in, you get accustomed to the rhythm that it's going for you. Like, oh okay. And then it's explained a little bit and you're you know, everything kind of gets cleared up for you. They're like, Oh, okay, I see what's happening now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so this is playing in select cities right now, and I I don't know what the VOD release is going to be for this one. Is it? Did I did I see maybe this is on Fandor? Yes, it is on Fandor. Okay, so there you go. It's on Fandor if you have a subscription to that. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be on other VOD platforms or what what the uh, schedule is for that, but. I do highly recommend seeing this one. I think that this is one that that a lot of people should see. It's I would agree. It's uh, it was a surprise. It was a surprise. And we didn't really touch on the a lot of it's very lighthearted too. It's it's not all doom and gloom and serious drama in this movie. There is plenty of those moments, but a lot of it is very light and fun too. There's a lot of comedy in it as well. So it's it's not like yeah, there's a little bit of everything. Yeah, it's not like one of these that just rips your heart out every five minutes. So, which yeah, and I gotta say that I I didn't know anything about this movie going in. To be completely honest, I didn't know what the synopsis was. I didn't know what it was about. I I didn't know anything. I didn't even know it was Australian. So I get into it, you know, and I quickly realize what the story's about. And the the immediate thought that I had was. I wonder when they're going to play Anthony and the Johnsons. Hmm. And they don't do it until towards the end of the film, which I thought was some restraint there. <laughs> well, there you go. I just I knew it was coming, but it doesn't come until near the end. Uh, so, Kevin, what are you going to give 52 Tuesdays out of 10? I'm going to give it um, I'm going to give it a 7. Okay. I gave it a 7.5, so definitely check that one out. Uh I think it it landed somewhere near the top of my 2015 list. So what, I have another question for you because I don't know if this is in your press notes, but you kind of 
touched on a little bit. Del Herbert Jane, the character who plays Jane slash James. Yeah. Is that an actual person that transitioned? I have I don't know. I tried to look that up, but I couldn't I couldn't find any information. So I actually don't know. I would I would think I would think, you know, if I would think they so, were brought but on. I really don't know the answer to that. It seems like uh, it seems like something that they're kind of guarded about. Um, also, for for review purposes, they requested that anytime we refer to James, they asked us to say he and him, and not oh, okay. and not use they and them and their. Whoops. Or sh- or she even during the transition process. So I guess that that's yeah. kind of the proper way to do it. Well, I apologize then. Well, I I think that you were you were fine. I, I was listening. Okay. I think you said her like once, but it it was tough to write too when when you're writing it because I was trying to be as respectful and and politically correct as I could be, you know, with with writing that, but it it gets tricky especially when at the beginning. Like when I'm when you're talking about the beginning of the transition. Yeah. It's easy to say oh she's transitioning into a man but yeah but the truth is they were always they always identified as a man you know yeah they just give you that slight glimpse right like right at the beginning stage of their transition which i just i thought he was a man the whole time that's the way i saw it yeah so definitely check that out uh it's actually number 11 on my top top list top uh 2015 list right now so oh boy yeah uh, that'll probably move around at some point i'm constantly fiddling with that but let's move on to our next movie we're talking about apartment troubles this is directed by jennifer prediger and jess wexler i have a synopsis here two codependent roommates on the verge of eviction flee new york for the promise of Sunshine in Los Angeles, where their friendship is tested by a chance at fame, a fortune teller, and an amorous, wealthy aunt. Stars Jess Wexler, Jennifer Prediger, Megan Mullally, and Will Forte. Jeffrey Tambor's in there as well. Now, uh, I'll start this one off. I I don't even know what to say about this movie. It it was, it felt like a nothing of a movie to me. There was just no... I got I gained nothing from this movie, and it, and I I don't I don't want to say that because I like Jennifer Prediger. I just saw her in Uncle Kent too, and she was great. She had just a small role in that, but she was great in it. I like Jess Wexler. She was in Teeth. Will Forte was great in it. Megan Mullally, Jeffrey Tambor, all the people involved in it, I like. I'm a big fan of everyone involved, but I just didn't find anything funny about this movie. There were a couple little chortles yeah. little chortles to be had here and there mm-hmm. but ultimately after the movie was over i was like uh, what, what what was this what was this all all about it just it seemed like a nothing of a movie to me i agree with you it's a letdown it's really it's just really disappointed i just feel like we've been seeing so many movies like this recently and shows you know the whole i feel like the whole girls thing just launched this uh, 20-somethings in New York comedy movie where there's just we're getting bombarded by all of these like um, appropriate behavior and uh, female pervert, which I saw at South By. And, uh, I, if I'm j- judging from 
movies. You know, if movies are my my lessons. I just have the sense that every single person in New York is like has no idea what they're doing, can't get their life together, and are living off their parents. Well, because yeah. it seems that like that's every film. Yeah, you know, Wexler plays a an artist. I'm using air quotes, which you can't see. That apparently her parents are ridiculously rich, which allows them to just fly to Los Angeles. Yeah, they just, they just forget their problems. Get out. Let's just forget our problems. Being evicted, fuck it, let's go. Take a private jet to Los Angeles, and then all of a sudden there's this weird, you know, hey, we're going to do this essentially American Idol type America's Got Talent yeah. show, which seemed very odd. But there was also this which, weird, this weird like sexual chemistry between Jennifer Prediger and Megan Mullally. Like she was kind of trying to hook up with her. It was just uh, yeah, and you know Megan Mullally's essentially playing the same character she always plays, which is slightly tired. And I, I like her. I like her, but I thought it's just I, like different variations of the same character all the time. Which I'm usually okay with. I didn't. I just didn't think she had a lot to work with in this instance. I didn't think she, her character was very funny. I thought Will Forte was the funniest of all of the characters. My favorite was Jeffrey Tambor. Oh yeah, he was. He was good too. I just mostly just the his reaction to her getting that commercial at the end of the movie. Yeah, where he's like high five her and then he just yells at her, yeah. plugging her fucking yeah. phone. Plugging your fucking phone. <laughs> he's like, ooh, Ohio. He does the vomit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was funny in that. But, uh, you know, for a movie that is centered around Prediger and Wexler, who both co-wrote and co-directed the film, man, they did not have much chemistry. No. There's not a lot going on with the end. You know, they they seem to liven up a little bit at the the um, the reality show competition type thing. And you're like, okay, here here we go. You know they're they're a little more playful. They're bantering with each other. They're getting into things, and then it just all goes away. Yeah, everything in this movie just felt bland to me. It's just bland, bland, bland. Not yeah. It was just it. No one seemed to really care about it. There's just no. it was just nothing. I I felt nothing in this from this movie at all. Yeah, mm. it's a bummer. It is a bummer. It is a bummer, and. uh so yeah, I, I can't recommend this, and I have very little to say because they had very little to say to me. So I would completely agree, and it's it's a very odd mix where they seem to be going more for it seemed to be heavier on the drama than the actual comedy, but both of which the stakes are extremely low. The, you really could you couldn't you couldn't latch on to anything that's going on here. Yeah, and, and the the comedy I didn't find to be funny at all I mean, there were attempts at comedy like yeah, the, the kind of quirky comedy but it just none of that landed for me at all no i'd say if you want to see a a funny new york comedy with that, that centers around two best friends just check out broad city on comedy central that'll that, that's which, a, a million times better than this which by the way i just got into oh yeah Oh my god. Make sure you see uh Oh my god. The season that's happening right now, make sure you check out St. Mark's, the episode St. Mark's cuz it all Oh no, I'm just yeah, Adam, I'm just going to skip over an episode. <laughs> well, what the I fuck? Don't know. Come on. 
I don't know. I don't know what. I you, know. I know how to watch TV. You, thank you, you very you much. Might skip, skip around and I don't read skip. read synopses and be like, nah, that one doesn't sound very good. And yeah, go to the next do, one. I don't do anything. I don't do anything like that. I actually wish that the world would just kind of like pause for a moment that I could get caught up <laughs> on Broad City. Just you know, put everything on hold and stop existing for a while, and just let me watch Broad City for like two days and well, just binge. Well, there's not that many. It's only. They're only in their second season, right? So there's not yeah, that many. Yeah, but I'm, I know, I'm, I'm spacing them out because I know there's only two seasons. Okay. I don't want to binge and then just, you know, just be sitting there with nothing to watch. Well, the Saint, the episode Saint Mark's, the, and the entire episode takes place on Saint Mark's, and that's where I live. So it's awesome. Oh, good for you. Yeah, they, they. Uh, good for you. They go. <laughs> they're, they're standing outside of my grocery store. Well, I'll score apartment troubles. I'll give it a. Uh, oh God, what do, what do I want to give this? Um, five. I'll give it a five, right down the middle. Oh boy, I give it a. Uh, oh my goodness. Um, four. I wanted to say three and a half. Three and a half, four. Okay, I'll give it three seventy-five. Three point seven five. I'll give it. I'll I'll do four and a half or a five. How's that? Let's just keep naming numbers. Well, if we're going by letterbox scores, a two and a half feels too too high to me. So yeah. I would probably go with a two out of five on letterbox, which is a four. Oh, we're getting into math now. Which would oh, be shit. a four, but a four feels a little bit. Four out of ten feels a little bit too low. Hold up. So hold up. <laughs> this podcast is getting a bit too scholarly. Yeah, let's just move on. <laughs> All right, let's jump into some of what we've been watching now. Again, we're doing this uh, a video companion to this as well, so you can check that out on our YouTube channel or on the on the site. We'll probably have it out right around the time that this episode airs, or maybe a little bit after. Okay. All right. I'll start off what we've been watching this week with a movie called Torso. This is from 1973. It's directed by Sergio Martino. This was part of the Giallo uh, marathon that they had going at Anthology. This was uh, it was pretty good. It wasn't anything amazing, at least for the majority of the film. It's interesting to see movies like this because this is clearly a slasher movie. It's basically uh, about a, a series of murders that takes place on a college campus. These uh, girls start getting killed, and a couple, couple guys here and there get killed. And it's very clearly a slasher movie, but it's way before. This came out way before slasher movies became big. Mm-hmm. And it's fairly standard. You're kind of fairly standard giallo fare until the end, which becomes basically a cat and mouse game between the the main female character and the killer and it is intense it gets so intense she's trying to hide because he doesn't know that that she's in the house and he's kind of wandering through the house chopping up the bodies that he killed and she's trying to get out and it's just uh amazingly shot looks awesome there's this very specific scene that involves a locked door and a key not going to give it away but it is intense. It is awesome. And the the entire during that scene, the entire theater collectively gasped 
when that happened. And that I don't know if I've ever heard that before in a movie. So, oh boy. very fun torso. Never saw it before, so it was cool to see it in the theater. Uh, it, it wasn't... I guess parts of it were funny. With a lot of these Giallo movies, there's usually uh, a bit of unintentional comedy that's <laughs> that's at play. And there, yeah. was, there was some in this, but not nearly as much as uh, some of the Argento stuff. But, uh, yeah, recommend it. It's... Not the best Giallo I've I've seen, but it's it's pretty solid. It's got some awesome uh, opening titles as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched. I actually watched all week. All week indies. It's an indie week. Oh boy, indie week. Even international indie week, actually, because the first one I watched is Brazilian. It's a uh, this is a slow burn horror movie. I mean, loose. Loose horror, more of like a murder mystery, um, by Guto Parente, called The Mysterious Death of Parola. It's only 62 minutes long. There is little to no dialogue whatsoever in this movie. And it's essentially just a woman that goes to France to uh, study art in college, and she lives in an apartment all by herself. And she just, I guess, through the isolation and the loneliness, kind of loses her mind a little bit it's very the everything that's going on here is extremely obscure you have really have no idea what's at play you just kind of get bits and pieces little hints here and there and it's a mixture of um just regular uh straightforward static shots of digital mixed with like um video camcorder footage mm. and then it gets into some like experimental imagery type deals and then she's there's someone outside of her apartment or occasionally inside of her apartment, and it's just very bizarre. But the main takeaway from this film is it is deeply unsettling. There's just this odd atmosphere at play where everything seems terrifying and menacing, but yet nothing's really happening at all. That's kind of what happens in It Follows. It's, you know, it's it's something else. I'm actually, I'm going to have a... Uh, I'm gonna have a review for this up soon in a new segment on the uh, on the website. Oh boy! But uh, I highly recommend it. When it, if it comes out, whenever it comes out, it's it's completely different than anything I've really seen. Now, how did you see this? Did you have a screener or something? Yes, yes. This play this actually played at uh, just recently at Rotterdam. Oh, okay, all right. And it is it's something else. It is uh, it's unnerving. And what was the name of it again? The Mysterious Death of Parola. Okay, so keep a lookout for that. Uh, I saw Into the Woods. Yeah. Okay. Uh, with, yeah. Uh, like Into the Woods, Into yeah, the Woods? Yeah, Into the Woods. Yeah. Why did you do that? <laughs> Directed by Rob Marshall. We, uh, for a Blu-ray review. Uh, oh, so, gotcha. Not, not for me. Not for me. This one was not for me. It, the, I Are you kn- sure? I knew I wasn't going to like it going into it, but... I tried to have an open mind and I don't even, I just don't get it. The, the nonstop singing. The thing is the songs are not even memorable. They're not, they're not even memorable. It was, the, okay. it was the same thing. I think it's, I just have an issue with, with uh, Sondheim or something because Sweeney Todd was pretty much the same thing for me where when you have musicals where everything is a song, 
the dialogue between characters is a song, mm-hmm. it I, I think that it detracts from the actual song. It makes yeah, it, it, you don't. It just like you would say they're not, they're not memorable then. Yeah, they're not they're not really catchy. They're just everything felt very generic and basic. Uh, the story was stupid, and it just felt like felt it felt like uh, it felt like X Men Three, where they were just trying to cram in as many fairy tale characters as they could into a story. And from what I heard, they changed it quite a bit from the actual musical because I I guess the musical is quite long and and uh, more more involved with with the characters. Okay, I just didn't. Yeah. I, there was nothing about this movie that I liked. It was truly an awful experience <laughs> sitting there and watching it. Uh, I will say that the Blu-ray is is quite good though. It's loaded with features. It's got all kinds of stuff. There's even a version. That you can watch on the Blu-ray that is kind of a, a sing-along version where they have the the lyrics at the bottom of the screen that scroll across, so you can, if if for some reason you want to sing along with it, don't know why you would, but you can. Have you done that yet? I tried it. I tried. It wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. I want. I want. Uh, I want that to be a video segment. Patreon. Put that up there. Where I, I sing along Tease to the, you sing along to the entire, the entire movie, movie into the woods mm. and you every character you have to do it in a different voice i'm also not big on rob marshall uh i don't really like his movies so i like how you tried to get out of this this uh video <laughs> this, segment that you're gonna do because you're do totally doing no you're doing it trust me uh i don't think that that's gonna bring any patreon dollars in it'll bring it'll I, I bring think it, would, it would lose we would lose <laughs> subscribers if i did that guaranteed uh i'd like to find out though at any rate into the woods uh not for me can't <clears throat> can't recommend it can't get into it yeah that sounds awful i want nothing to do with that uh i watched since i enjoyed wild canaries so much i went back and watched lawrence michael levine's uh i guess this is his second film Gabby on the Roof in July, which I did not know all the people that are in this. So this kind of this is from uh, 2010, and it's kind of like an indie movie all star game going on here. We have Sophie Tuchel, uh Lawrence Michael Levine, got Amy Seismitz, Caitlin Shield, Lena Dunham in this, and again it's one of those twenty um, somethings living in New York, but they can't really do it. Because they make no money, hmm. and they're just <laughs> they're trying to get by, and of course they're artists, and uh, it centers around uh, Lawrence Michael Levine who plays Sam, and he's trying to juggle all these things that are happening in his relationships, and his uh, his younger sister comes to visit for the summer. She attends uh, Oberlin, and uh, she the way that you would describe her is that she lives her life like an art installation. So imagine how insufferable that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you get some of that going on. And uh, it's actually quite quite a good time. for Considering how insufferable some of these characters are, um, Lawrence Michael Levine just has a way of, of writing relationships and the banter and surprisingly really good at arguments because there's a couple of times where it gets into just flat-out arguing. Much like Wild Canaries, mm-hmm. but he still injects little pieces of humor here and there, even though it's coming from like a dickish place, you know, where people are being condescending or sarcastic. 
they're being an asshole really but at the same time it's still a little bit funny uh it's 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 quite good i would i would recommend it it seems like something that i'd enjoy i think yeah i think you would be into it this you can actually watch this on uh hulu okay cool. it's up up on the hulus uh both he both lawrence michael levine and sophia Tikal are in uncle kent too as well is everyone in uncle kent too? a lot of people are in uncle kent too because it sounds like everyone is in uncle kent too yeah uh that's not out yet i'm not gonna i have a review for that i that was a south by movie but recommend that I saw Dead Rising Watchtower. This is available on Crackle. This was the first of the... um... Uh, There's just too many streaming services. I know. Let me just throw that out there. Yeah. So this is available on Crackle. It's uh, Legendary Pictures' first foray into the digital media. Uh, so it went straight to Crackle, no theatrical, no VOD, whatever. It's it's free on Crackle. You can watch it. Watch it there. There's commercials that are really annoying because it's the the ones where it's the same exact commercial every break. So it That's drives you insane. Uh, this was not nearly as horrible as I expected it to be because I I saw I was like okay straight to digital. It's based on a video game. I'm I'm a little we're worried about how this is going to turn out, but it's actually pretty fun. It, it stays very, very true to the game. So if you're a fan of dead rising, any of the three dead rising games, uh, there's a lot of callbacks and it does very stick very, very much to the games where they make all kinds of crazy weapons. And it's just thousands of zombies that they need to, to get through. And, the the Zombrex storyline is in here and the the psychopaths where they have to deal with crazy human characters that are taking advantage of the zombie outbreak to you know basically run amok through the city uh so so that was good there was a uh one scene that that happens i'd say maybe halfway through if i remember correctly it's uh, a single take shot that is it's quite long i think that there might be like one cut or maybe one hidden cut in the middle of it but very long single take shot with the main character going through tons of zombies and he's like going into a bus and going up on the roof and the camera's just following him all through really really well done surprisingly well done and some of the some of the action some of the fights are pretty good so this was a surprise. I'm not going to say that I, I loved it or anything. At the end of the day, it was a pretty typical zombie movie. And although the plot does follow the game very closely, the plot of the game was not very good to begin with. So really, you just watch this movie for the action. That's what you do. You just want to see people mow down zombies. Yeah, with crazy weapons. And that's <laughs> you, that, you do get that in this, in this movie. So I would hope so. A very, very light recommend on Dead Rising Watchtower. I would say only check it out if you know the games and are are a fan of the games. The actors were terrible, too. I just ugh, did not. They all seemed so, like, soap opera. They, they didn't They didn't feel real. None of, the, none of the characters felt real to me. Gotcha. So... That's, that sounds terrible. That's Dead Rising Watchtower. Yeah, it's very, very light. Recommend. <laughs> very light, bordering on non-existent. Bordering, yeah. What it's, what bordering it's on like. avoid. 
boarding on a void. <laughs> You're just desperately looking for zombies being killed. Go to Crackle. It's a little. It's a little long too. It, it kind of overstays its welcome as well. Oh boy. Oh, I watched. Uh, keep going with this indie trend. I watched Ape. Since I enjoyed Buzzard so much, I went back and checked out 2012's Ape. Oh yeah, how was that? Joe Petroikis. Uh It's essentially like Buzzard, where Joshua Burge just plays Trevor Newendike, who's a struggling comedian, who's just a terrible comedian, really. Um, his jokes are awful. He's nervous. Um, and then he spends most of his day just burning stuff and burning more stuff and then burning some stuff, cackling at the TV, and that's about it. And then he makes, well, he makes a deal with the devil, gets himself a golden apple. Uh, things turn around a little bit, and then he burns some more stuff. He shoots off some firecrackers, just generally dicks around doing nothing. So if you want to watch that for 86 minutes, uh, go with Ape. Because that has everything that you need if you're just really into fire, like Joshua Berg is. <laughs> the, and it, much mm. like Buzzard, you know, it builds up to a little bit of violence. Mm-hmm. Um, the the character that Joshua Berg plays in this one is a little more sympathetic than Buzzard. You know, he's actually trying to help people. He actually seems like a decent guy. It's just that he is he has no motivation whatsoever out of outside of burning things. Like, if it doesn't involve burning things, he has no interest in it. And he's not going to, you know, devote any amount of time to it, which I guess is why he's a terrible comedian, because it doesn't involve burning things. Mm. But it it also kind of plays, it felt like bad fever in a way, because both, they both deal with comedians that seem to have no sense of what being a comedian is, or how to tell jokes, uh-huh. or how to develop jokes in any way whatsoever. But uh, the majority of Ape is just him dicking around, burning stuff. <laughs> honestly, it's just, imagine you know the the spaghetti scene from Buzzard. Yeah. How could you forget? How could you forget? <laughs> <laughs> There's an extended sequence of him just watching TV, sitting on his bed, and he just tears up like little pieces of tissue. And what you know, while he's watching and laughing and cackling at the show, he just lights them on fire, and they just you know go up mm-hmm. and it they do that for like it felt like 10 minutes <laughs> where you're just watching him do that and then the, you know he's just like i'm gonna walk around town starting fires listening to metal or 90s hip-hop and just shooting off bottle rockets and you know that's pretty much it okay so <laughs> it, it's, if you want to check that out sure. i kind of do actually <laughs> I know it's it's odd where like I'm watching it thinking to myself like this is a complete waste of time this is fucking pointless like I'm getting nothing out of this but at the same time I'm I'm it kind of holding my attention just barely I'm just like I want to see where this is going maybe maybe it's gonna go somewhere and it it kind of does but it's not as strong as Buzzard I will I will tell you that it's oh, okay. not as strong as Buzzard so don't. You know, you might be a little bit disappointed where it ends up. Okay. And how did you see this? This is on, it's actually on Fandor and it's on Movie. So it's on two. Okay. And that's two places to see it. That's Ape. Uh, I don't really have anything else. I saw a ton of stuff this week, but it's all Tribeca stuff that I can't talk about until 
Tribeca starts. So that's all I got. All right. Fine. You got anything else? No, I don't. All right. All that secret shit you're watching. (laughs) All right. All right. Let's go over some predictions. Last week, Get Hard. Have you been reading about, there's a there's a little bit of uh, uproar about this movie. A lot of people are saying it's offensive and racist and homophobic and all of this stuff. Yeah, sounds about right. Kind of looks like it. <laughs> what, what do you expect? Did you see the trailer? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. It's just nothing but stereotypes. I understand people being upset over it, but at the same time, it's a comedy. You know, what what happened where, as a society, we got so soft about things like nothing can nothing be offensive anymore uh, yeah i mean you can look at everything as offensive in some way but, but yeah, it's just but a it, comedy but, get over it the the comedy of get hard seems like it's from a, a whole well, that, other time period which just yeah like, why why are we going back to this i think maybe that's why people are bothered by it because it's offensive comedy that's not even funny yeah i think that if it was offensive and funny that Maybe it would get a bit of a, a pass, but... It's just lazy. Yeah. You said 22, I said 24, actual 32 on that one. So, it's got a better score than I expected, because it seemed like everybody's just hating this movie. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't see it. I'm not interested, but... Uh, home, you said 36, I said 42, actual 48. Mm. So, eh, not interested in that one either. Next week, the only, I think... The only wide release is Furious 7. It would be Paul Walker's final film. I am interested in seeing how they how they handle that. And that's it. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of psyched for that for that movie. I don't know why. We'll we'll talk about this more on Thursday for Ryan watches a movie, but for some reason these these Fast and Furious movies are starting to win me over. Uh-oh. I didn't like the last one, but it was fun. It had some fun action sequences in it. Yeah. Yeah. What are you thinking on this? Mm, I'm going to say 64. I'll say 72 on that one. That's pretty much it as far as wide release. We also, in limited release, have Woman in Gold. I don't know anything about that. Do you know anything about I, that? Oh, it's the Ryan Reynolds movie where... They're trying to get back some stolen artwork. Oh, okay. Yeah. With uh, Helen Mirren, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I am aware of that. I'm not interested. Five to seven. Uh, I don't know anything about five to seven either. Effie Gray. That sounds familiar. But not interesting. The, no. The Resurrection of a Bastard. I am interested in that one. And I think that we will be, we will have a review for that on the site. And maybe we'll cover it next week. I don't know. Maybe. Check check out a trailer. I think you'll be interested in that one. Lambert and Stamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Living. Cut Bank, which we have a review for that up. That was somebody. I think Ernie may have seen that at a festival a long time ago. Liam Hemsworth and Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. And Last Nights. So not a whole lot going on next week. Nope. Is it? Is next week Easter? Is that mm-hmm. why? Okay, that's why then. Uh, there is a movie called uh, SBK, the movie, which I love at the top. It says, the best movie ever made, and it's about a professional skee-ball player who goes for glory on the boardwalks of New Jersey. <laughs> huh. Check that out. <laughs> but I also on... love the fact that it's SB, 
BK, and then the movie is hyphenated for some reason. So it's the hyphen movie. Odd. I don't understand that. On VOD next week, we have Any Day. We have Last Night's Cut Bank, Marfa Girl, Larry Clark. That came out like three, four years ago. Back it, back at it with Marfa Girl. And The Girl is in Trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Girl is in Trouble. I'm actually probably going to check that out just out of curiosity. I think it's produced by Spike Lee or something like that, but I don't know. Uh, it's probably going to be bad, but the trailer kind of intrigued me. Also, this will this it probably would will have this will come out after this movie airs. But Going Clear is on HBO this Sunday, so by the time you hear this, it'll probably be available on HBO Go. Yeah. That's the yeah. Alex Gibney documentary about Scientology. So oh. I'll definitely be watching that tonight. Good for you. You're not interested? No, I can't. I can't see it. Oh, so yeah, well, just keep just keep rubbing shit in my face. Well, keep soon you got your Tribeca for... secret screenings. You got your HBO shows. Well, pretty soon they're gonna offer the uh, standalone HBO Go subscriptions. Yeah. that's that's gonna yeah. happen. I think not very soon. Not soon enough. <laughs> not soon enough. I don't know what to tell you. Get get Ryan's HBO Go login and watch it. All right. I didn't. I didn't recommend that, by the way. I was just kidding. <laughs> Anybody from HBO listening? I was kidding about that. I hope you get your shit revoked. All right. I think that that will. Oh, I forgot DVD and Blu-ray. Jeez. Get them DVDs. Inter- I don't even know why we do this. Still, nobody buys these. Interstellar, <laughs> The Imitation Game, Out of the Dark, which is uh, some sort of horror movie. Outcast. That's the Nicolas Cage. Hayden Christensen one. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, the rewrite wild and wild card. That's the Jason Statham one. I think we got a couple criterions, right? We have two. We have uh, Bergman's cries and whispers from 1972 coming out on the old Blu-ray with a bunch of features. And then Steve James's hoop dreams from 1994 getting the old Blu-ray treatment. It's been years since I've seen that one. I might have to, might have to watch that one again. Yeah, it looks like it has some some good uh, special features on there. Cool. All right. Well, I think that that will wrap it up for the week. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And please take a look at our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmpulse and consider subscribing for as little as $1 a month. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson, and we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie.